Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for students looking to get ahead, but a terrible resource for learning how to play the theme song to the 90s X-Men TV show on the kazoo. I love that theme song. Isn't it so good? Oh, what a good show. Uh, Unpopular opinion. I'm cool with Jubilee. I like Jubilee. She's cool. She was great. When I don't I was care a that kid, her powers might be a little stupid. They're X Men. Don't expect anything smart from comic books, and then you won't be disappointed. Yeah. Also, she can totally distract the She's bad guys. She's cool. Look, Gambit's also cool. Gambit is the coolest. He's so cool. He's the coolest. He's like, look at me. I'm all look, Cajun with explody stuff. You saw the beginning of Batman Begins, right? Yeah. He goes to League of Shadows and. Uh, Ra's al Ghul talks about how important it is to use deception and theatrical tricks to shift the you know the attention of the opponent. That's what Jubilee does. Yeah, she's she's like, look, it's bomb. the Fourth of July, and you're like, wait, I thought that was next month. Bam, they got gotcha. you. Exactly. You're checking your calendar, and all of a sudden you're being cleaved in half by Wolverine's <laughs> claws. <laughs> <That'd be so laughs> Uh, this episode's that, off to honestly, a great start. honestly, that's barely different from how normal comic plots would. There's some Actually, comic out there that's just as dumb. It's not yes. that surprising. Yeah, Calendar Man exists. Yeah, Calendar Man knows all the dates. He he can see everything coming. So Jubilee's got to be like, Uh-oh. it's actually August fourth. Yeah, but why are there fireworks? <laughs> we should be comic writers. Probably. Why are we doing this podcast? I don't know. I don't know. Next episode? No, I'm lying. It's not going to be a comic that we wrote. No. Anyway. My name's Thomas Frank. I should probably introduce myself for new listeners. And I'm here, as always, with my good friend Martin Bamey. Oh, hey there. I'm still alive this week. You are still alive this week. That's good. You almost died. You didn't actually die. I lived two weeks in a row now. Ooh, that's pretty good. It's a pretty it's a pretty good streak there. It's a good streak. I don't want to break it. Don't break the chain. Yeah, don't break the chain. Um, I have a few little announcements before we get into this week's content. But to give you a little preview, we are going to be taking five-year questions as we often do in these five questions episodes, we take uh, five questions from Instagram, from email, from smoke signals, from people who are able to communicate via ESP, all of those kinds of things. And we do kind of like a little lightning round for each one. So I yeah. like these episodes. Yeah, freestyle. They're a lot of fun. I want to talk about a few things that are on my mind right now before we get into those. All right. So thing number one on my mind, we finally have a new t-shirt design yeah we do i think i teased it on a previous episode but i'm actually wearing it here people yeah, who are listening a, to this can't it's a good see one it, but it's a pretty i think it's really cool uh it's really cool it's got really cool colors it does my fiance made it bonus points but we didn't it's because it's good though it's not it wasn't like a crayon drawing and then i was like oh that's a good job honey yeah we'll totally put it no it's a really cool shirt well it turns out your fiance is actually a professional graphic designer yeah who works She's, for yeah. us but also for netflix yeah so we have we have a weird <laughs> interwoven work community here yeah but um, it's a dope shirt yeah i love it it says never stop learning which is something that i will never stop doing don't do it i'll never consider don't that. you do it and it looks really cool. I remember thinking it looked cool on the mock-up she sent me, but seeing it on the shirt, I was like, this is really look- – it's so cool. I like the style. I'm really happy with it. Um, and we're going to have it on mugs eventually. Like, I think we're literally just waiting for the mugs to get to the warehouse. Oh, nice. I don't know where the warehouse is. DFTBA owns the warehouse, I think. Uh, but the shirts are here. So if you want to get one, uh, number one, you can go over to my Instagram to see a picture of it. I guess there will also be a picture of it on the sales page. That makes now sense. Now that I think about it for that more than makes three seconds. Sense. <laughs> Why so, would there not be? collegeinfogeek.com slash merch is where you can find that along with all the other stuff we sell, which I think at this current moment includes the uh, College of Geek logo t-shirt and sticker. Yep. So it's a very deep catalog. We're selling some big ticket items Ooh. over here. Woo. Yeah. It is cool though. We should put like something like crazy, like like forbidden golden monkey idol on there. It's like fifty thousand dollars. It's like we also sell that, but you know, probably can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, for now it's like cheap stuff, shirts and stickers. So if you saved money listening to our budgeting episode or our investing episode, maybe you have, I don't know, twenty bucks left over to buy a shirt. Yeah. Did you know that this shirt will make you rich and handsome? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it'll give you superpowers like the Impossible T-shirt, but... Well, I can't promise that. Yeah, we can't promise that. But Rich the other and handsome. Ones, definitely. 
Uh, the other two are not marketing related. I just want to talk about them. So okay. you are aware, and I think the listeners are aware that I have this like slight side obsession with turning my apartment into a gym. Yes. I have the, the door frame pull-up bar. I have the indo board and I have the dumbbells. I have added a new thing as of last night. So when I moved to Denver, I took a parkour class at the parkour gym. And one thing I noticed that they had there were these just like rails to balance on. And you can move up to rails that are probably eight feet off the ground, which I can now walk on. Uh, But we started on rails that were about three inches off the ground, literally just a piece of pipe with two 90 degree angle connectors. And then those were screwed into floor flanges, which were screwed into scraps of two by four. Uh, And because I'm training for Ninja Warrior, last night I was sitting at work and I was like, you know what? I could just go to Home Depot and literally buy that stuff and build it. So I did. And it took, I think it took literally 20 minutes to build this. And now I have this awesome rail balance thing uh, just in my living room and I can practice balance on it yeah, whenever I want. You could also do sick grinds. And I could also do sick grinds on it. If the, Actually, you could technically use it for skateboard could. grinds. But uh, you would have to get off the rail in time to not hit the, the lip. It's of a the very quick connector. one. It's a very quick one. Yeah, it's only three feet long. I want to do a longer one, but my choices were three feet and 10 feet. And I don't live in a house, nor do I have the type of saw you would use to cut metal. And I also don't know how you cut pipe, but also like re-thread the new end that you cut. Because I needed the threads to screw into the angle connector. But if you oh, cut yeah. the pipe, you just have a, you know, a straight I flush cut of pipe. So maybe you'd have to like shove some sort of wedge connector in there or something. I don't know. But long story short, for anybody wanting to improve their balance, that cost me about 50 bucks to build and uh, about 20 minutes of my time. And yeah. now I have a sweet little rail balance thing. And the other thing I wanted to share, which I want to make a video about this at some point, uh, I have discovered the method to make delicious coffee for not a whole lot of money. I've, I've never really been satisfied with my coffee making abilities at home, but uh, I recently figured out how to make coffee that tastes as good as a Starbucks latte. It's not as good as a super legit latte from an independent shop, but it's as good as a Starbucks one. And that's all I care about with my home coffee because it's way cheaper than a Starbucks latte. So what I figured out, number one, I have a burr grinder. So I will buy like good quality whole bean coffee, generally like a medium roast from Whole Foods usually. Um, Use the burr grinder. And I have an electric one, but you can get a $25 hand crank burr grinder and you can make your coffee like a meditative thing if you want. That creates cool. a more consistent grind, which means you're not gonna have, you're gonna extract the flavor from all of your grounds at the same time. So it's gonna be more consistent. And uh, I use an AeroPress, which is another thing that's like 20 bucks, I think, to really press, like create a lot of pressure to get all the flavor out. But what I've learned is the crucial element is heating up the milk I use. I have always just poured the milk in cold and it makes the coffee eh, okay. So now I go, I buy whole milk, grass fed, and I just put it in the microwave in the mug and heat it for like a minute. And that makes all the difference. That makes sense. And so it's, I, so it's not immediately shocking the coffee to like yeah. 20 degrees colder. Yeah. And it just, it, it just totally changes the flavor profile. It like, I think, I think throwing that cold milk in there actually kind of kills some of the coffee flavor, like the good flavors. Yeah. Um, oh, and the other thing I learned, I read this in a book about Starbucks actually is the ideal water temperature for pulling a shot of espresso is about 195 degrees. So I had read 185 somewhere in the past and was always using that. I don't know if 185, 195 is, which I don't know which one's correct, but I have moved to 195 and I think it's great. That's cool. So it's good that it's working. It's kind of similar to how you don't want to put, uh, you don't steep your tea in milk because milk won't absorb the flavor from the tea the same way yeah. water will. But if you put milk in afterward, like you got to do special stuff. Oh, if, if you talk to um, a person from Great Britain about that, then you, I'll tell you them you they're may wrong. Start an argument because <laughs> some people like milk is too thick. It won't it won't steeping. pull all the same chemicals yeah, out of true. the leaves. You can't unscience 
chemicals out of the leaves. That's true. I don't know if it'll, you know, maybe you hate the chemicals and you know, it'll taste better I, with the milk. I want to send that quote to Kyle. You can't <laughs> unscience chemicals out of the leaves. You can't. It's just science. Yeah. But it's kind of cool because I had read in the past that to make good espresso at home, you need to pay like $500 for a quality espresso maker. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I know that over a certain amount of years, it'll pay for itself if I stop buying lattes at the store, but I don't want to do that. But this, the Burr Grinder is 50 bucks if you get the manual one. The AeroPress is 20, sorry, not 50. The Burr Grinder is $25 if you get the manual one. The AeroPress is 20 or 25. And then you just buy the coffee and the milk. And that's like, that's pretty cheap, to be honest. Given, given the lifetime of not needing to buy $5, yeah. $5 I, lattes, it should exactly. come up uh, pretty quick, honestly. The uh, the book that I read, Starbucked, it talked about like, what are you paying for? Why? Because coffee itself is cheap. Yeah. Like sometimes... Drinks are so cheap to make. We pay so much for all sorts of drinks. Yeah. So what you're paying for in a latte, when you pay four bucks for a latte, you're paying like... 16 cents for the coffee or something like that you're paying a lot more for the milk but what you're mainly paying for is the overhead from the coffee shop which if you want to go in there and work that's fine treat it like you're paying for a co-working place that's what i do yeah but you're also paying for the profit starbucks makes like 40 cents off a latte which is a pretty good margin for a drink it's like 10 percent or more so yeah uh good coffee anyway those are those are my three little items of business Oh, you get three items and five questions. That's true. Unless Boy, you, if we got a treat items. for you this week. Do you have I, items? No, I, I ain't got no items. Okay, cool. Well, Other than if any British people are mad at me, uh, then I challenge you to a science fight. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, <laughs> on your bike. But uh, I like, I challenge you to a science fight more. <laughs> Obviously, I don't, I don't put milk in most of my tea, so I don't really <laughs> care which is better. That's true. You're not... The biggest uh, I'm drinking milk like drinker. Sencha. I only yeah. put milk with chai. Yeah. So yeah, don't don't, don't, your don't fight me unless it is a certified science fight. Well, then I just want to watch it. I don't know what that means, but I I imagine like, like, like putting stuff in beakers stuff and trying to beakers? explode it at each other. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Where you like have to construct a death ray. Yeah. Anywho, let's get into these five questions. Yeah. So, I think a lot of these are from Instagram. Um, and I say that because if, if you've got a question that you want answered on the show, Instagram is a good place to send it. I'm Tom Frankly. You are Yo Martholomew. Either either place is a good way to send it. Uh, Twitter is also good. And we also, we, we pay attention to email, things like that. But I will often screenshot questions from Instagram, even if I can't answer them there. And then I'll just like send you a folder yeah. of question images. And I think a lot of those come from from that. So let's get into question number one here which says, I have this problem with commuting, waiting in the hospital, etc. I don't know when to be in the moment and enjoy the scenery outside when I'm commuting or get lost in thought about something. I know it's more productive to be quote unquote productive and manage my to-do list and calendar and organize my notes, but how do I draw the line between being in the real world and looking at the digital one? So I guess what this person is trying to say is like they, they're struggling with the dilemma of do I use my commute time to be in the present and enjoy that time? Or should I be using my commute time solely for productivity? Yeah, because like everybody already says, don't check your Instagram and your Twitters and your social media on your commute. This mm-hmm. is a waste of time. But what about this stuff that ostensibly is not a waste of time? It's, yeah. it, it's productive. It's supposed to be good for you. So is this not a good use of your time? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, I would say that... I think it's the best the best to spend as little time managing any productivity system you have as possible. The less overhead there is, the better. So yeah. I would prefer um, an intentional time to check that sort of stuff in the morning, in the evening, after lunch. It could be all three if you want, but I would find intentionally checking it much better than every time I get bored, let me just check my to-do list and give myself anxiety about what I'm not, I haven't done yet. Yeah. You and know? I guess like your commute could be that time. It could be that time. Does it need to be is it, the question. Like, do you have time in the morning where you could sit down and do that stuff for 20 minutes yeah. you know, at a table and then enjoy your commute and not be stressing out by trying to manage stuff while you're on the train or whatever. Yeah. Or conversely, maybe you prefer to meditate in the morning and then do productivity on the train. Mm-hmm. I think as long as it's intentional, it's uh, like, like a better idea. 
Yeah. If, if you choose when to check it, because otherwise uh, I've, I've done way too many productivity type system things and I try to keep it simple now because they definitely take over you. Yeah. Well, so I had my perspective shifted a little bit recently. I read this article by Paul Graham, who's the founder of uh, the Y Combinator. Uh, what do they call that? Fund for uh, startups. I think I know, I know what you're talking investment about. Investment fund. But like, I don't know what or to investment, call it. Accelerator. That's what it is. Accelerator. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he wrote an article back in 2005 called Good Productivity and Bad, or no, Good Procrastination and Bad Procrastination. And he had like this three-part definition. So like type A procrastinators or type A procrastination is when you procrastinate from your work by doing nothing or by wasting your time. So by playing stupid games on your phone or staring at the wall or whatever. Type B procrastination is where you do something that is work but that is less important than the thing you're procrastinating mm. on. I think Jessica Hish calls it procrastinating. Procrastinating, yeah. And then type C procrastination wa- is when you when you procrastinate from something that you should be doing with something that's more important. And he makes this distinction because he, he has a point that all the most successful people he knows who have done the most interesting and innovative work are huge type C procrastinators, which means they are constantly sneaking off from, I don't know, showering or going to the dentist or doing all these things you're quote unquote supposed to do to sneak off and work on that project that they are like super passionate about. And yeah, maybe they're terrible drivers because they didn't go to driver's ed and maybe they don't shower as often as they should. Maybe they didn't do their taxes on time, but they're the ones who built the large Hadron Collider or something like that. Or they're the ones who like figured out an amazing new sorting algorithm. Uh, And he makes a point in the article that you have to realize managing your to-do list is type B procrastination because you should always be be asking yourself like, what's the most important thing I should be working on right now? And it's not managing your to-do list. That's the work about the work. So you should minimize that as much as you possibly can. Yeah, the point is to get to the other work. Yeah. That's why you have a to-do list, not to just yeah. be addicted to organizing. And I, I know how that feels. It feels good to organize. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this person mentions, like, managing my to-do list calendar, organizing my notes. But I think the main question here is, like, what do I – like, should I feel guilty about not working on my commute? And let me put it this way. I mean, obviously, you want to – if you have a goal, you need to use your time as effectively as possible to achieve that goal. But – your attention and your energy are more important than your time. And if you are constantly stressing yourself out by thinking you need to wring productivity out of every single moment, then that attention and that energy are going to wane. And your time is going to be used less effectively across the board. Moreover, if this helps you at all, ask yourself, what would I do if I had to commute in a different way? Because the only way that I can think of where, where commuting can be used for productivity, like work time, is whether you're on a train or a plane. If yeah, you're driving, I guess if you're like riding a bus, I guess that would work too. Oh, but yeah, if, if you're driving, you can listen to podcasts. You can, I guess you could like be a business guy on a Bluetooth headset and be like making deals while driving, which is probably not a good idea because even talking distracts you from driving. Uh, you could listen to maybe a language learning podcast or an audiobook. That's about it. You can't be managing your calendar while driving. I bike to work. I can't manage my calendar while biking to work. All I can do is listen to an audiobook or a podcast, and then I can consider my biking productive because it's making me healthier. Not only is it making me a better athlete, but it's also, as we talk about a zillion times, uh, and as John Brady's book Spark talks about, it is making me a better brain worker when I get to work because aerobic exercise actually boosts cognitive performance. But I'm not managing my to-do list and I'm not organizing my notes on the bike. So maybe this will help you like, okay, I'm going to pretend that my commute method is biking or driving, even though I'm on a train. Just be like, all right, that time is blocked out. All I can do is listen to something or stare at the trees and meditate and, you know, just be in the present. Yeah, and if you're building up that energy to use later, then that still is productive. Me- being mm-hmm. meditative or in the moment is very productive if you're using it to restore your mental reserves. Yeah. And also, this kind of goes back to what I said in the last episode about being motivated by negative motivators as opposed to positive ones. Mm-hmm. If I guilt myself into wringing every single possible work second out of my day, I'm just going to be stressed all the time. I'm yeah. not going to be happy, and I'm going to be giving worse work. Yeah. It's not going to be as good. 
as if I took the commute, if I took the extra five minutes waiting in line to just kind of look at how the sun hits the trees and enjoy existing for a second, mm-hmm. then I'll be happy and excited to go to work, not yeah. not melting down because I never give myself a chance to be a person. Mm-hmm. Actually, I read a fantasy novel once, and I, I'm not going to say the name so that way if somebody reads this novel, they can kind of discover it on their own, but... Um, some of the characters have a power where they essentially can do superhuman things, but they have to like store up that thing over time. So like they could heal super quickly, but in order to do that, they have to like spend weeks and weeks being slightly sick. So they're like storing up health or they can be like super strong, but they have to spend weeks and weeks being super weak. And so they can like just use it all up in one burst. And I kind of think of, our bodies and minds in that way. Like we don't have to spend time being, you know, at at less than capacity, but we can't always be working. We can't always be firing on all cylinders. Yeah. It's like rest, build up for that like very powerful brief shot instead of being at this like low burn all the time. I would rather be the candle that burns twice as bright than the one that burns twice as long. And I'm not saying that in like a life and death kind of way. I'm saying that in like a daily cycle kind of way. I would rather be the guy who goes and works for one hour, whether it be in the gym or in the office and and uses that hour and walks away from it mentally exhausted or physically exhausted than the guy that goes in for three hours and just kind of phones it in and doesn't get a whole lot done, but put in more hours. So like maybe it ended up being equivalent. Yeah. I'm going to go in and I'm going to like, I'm I'm gonna do the fireworks finale right away, basically. So hopefully that's useful. All right, here's a question for us. Yay. What were our grades like? I can see why people would wonder that. They yeah, I do remember getting an email. I think this is after I had posted like fifty videos. I was probably at like three hundred thousand subscribers. And somebody was like, I need to know what your grades were before I'll trust your content. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this seems like appeal to authority fallacy going on here because you can evaluate the content for what it's worth. Like the content, I cite my sources, you know, I cite scientific research to back up almost every point I make, unless I'm talking about something that I did. Yeah. So it didn't seem all that relevant to me. Like I'm like, I could be a failure in school, but if I, you know, got my act together, did good research. Well, I mean, plenty of the content. founders of stuff dropped out. Like, yeah, I exactly. think school is valuable, but if grades were what made things, then like half of the startups that we mm. use online wouldn't be here. Yeah. So I guess I, the only point I want to make here is that the grades that you and I got should not be relevant because it is, it is the merit of the content we put out that you should actually be evaluating you shouldn't be evaluating how we did in the past yeah that being said i can see why people are curious and i have nothing to hide tom got zeros every semester all zeros failed everything so bad i'm a con man (laughs) Uh, okay so in high school my grades were excellent um you know there's no real way to say it differently they were just i I graduated i think 16th in my class out of 500 Ah. Um, and I, I took almost all honors classes during my last couple of semesters, which had weird weighted GPAs. So I graduated with like a 4.2 out of four GPA. Oh, well, wow. la-dee-da over here. So high school was great, but you know what? High school was not that challenging. Hence why I took a lot of honors classes. I also wanted the college credit. Uh, now I want, I want to say that. So now I can lead into the crushing blow that is college. Oh no. I graduated college with a 3.43 GPA, I think, total. So didn't go and get perfect grades in college. Um, my first couple of years, I did really well. I pulled almost all A's in my classes. And then I got into my junior and senior year, and there was a reason that my grades slipped. And it wasn't like I intentionally said, I'm going to let my grades slip. But what I did say is I have determined that running my business and and putting my focus and energy there is more important to my future career than trying to get perfect grades. Number one, 
Uh, the re reason number one being that I had no intention of going and getting a job. So who is there to impress with my GPA? Yeah. Unless I want to be like really smug on the you, internet you and be like, you should follow pin, my pin blog because I got a 4.0, but I've never yeah, done you that. You get a patch, you pin it to your shirt, you walk around with it every day. 4.0 student. That's going to be my blog. And you wear yeah. that. Well through adulthood. Student. Yeah, and then I like wrestle my laurels and I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I got like a 4.0 in college. What have you done since then? doesn't matter. Yeah, if I could That's go back, I could take state. Yeah. I could probably throw a football over the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> so junior and senior year, uh, I pulled a few Bs and I think even one C in a class. Um, and I also, you know, I dropped several classes throughout my college career because I, I determined that they weren't worth it to me. Yeah. So, and this isn't to say uh, that you know, every time I didn't do amazingly on a test or homework assignment, that it was me sitting there and, and with Spock-like rationality, you know, holding the fingers up, said to myself, I have determined that spending my time on this homework assignment is a, a non-optimal use of my time and mental resources. Now, there were definitely times when I was just lazy or when I didn't work hard enough or when I was too busy trying to beat Clyde's score on Geometry Wars 2 to really work on my homework. And then I would just kind of phone it in right before it was due 6 a.m. the following morning. I definitely did that. Yep. So I'm not a perfect student. I never have been a perfect student. Um, but I care about, I care about knowledge. I care about <laughs> knowledge. I care about um, learning. I just haven't always cared 100% about every required class. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's what it was. I, I did okay. Wasn't perfect. Um, but I put a heck of a lot more passion and energy into what we do here than I ever did into my individual classes. And I think that a lot of the work we've done here would get an A from those professors. Good. <laughs> uh, I failed a class, at least one class, every year of high school except the last one where I finally took things seriously and took some college courses. But I definitely... Had to retake classes every mm. year except for senior year. I had like a one point something, and I was like number 300 and something in my class. Whoops. So you were in a very different position. Mm -hmm. Then I went to community college, got a 3.8. I would have aced every single thing except for this teacher that didn't like me docked me a bunch of points for having the wrong file format. I double-checked. It was the right file format, and I was like, hey, what are you going to – they just didn't do nothing about it. Really? And I was like, you know what? I don't actually care about confronting you about this. I'm going to come out of here with a degree and a certification. I I don't care about you or your stupid opinions anymore. So I just let that slide, even though it was nonsense. Okay. And uh, then in university, I ended with a 3.26 because um, – I failed one class because I missed it too many times when I couldn't walk. Oh, because you got injured. And while, the, while my advisor maybe could have helped me get out of that, I had never visited her because I was being all self-sufficient. So she was like, how am I supposed to vouch for you? Oh, yeah. And I was like there on crutches and she was like, I don't, but I don't know you. Yeah. And I was like, that's, well, ain't that just the way. And I think I remember like it had happened at a time in the semester where you could no longer drop it. I couldn't it. drop it. No, I just yeah. had to I just had to fail it and retake that class. That was a really unfortunate one. Yeah. What are you going to do? Have a relationship with your advisors at least enough to, so where they don't just say, "I don't know you. I can't help you with your legs broken. Shut up." Yeah. I think uh, it is a good idea to do that. That was that was unfortunate. I didn't see it coming. Um I think I got a C in my philosophy class because I strongly disagreed with the teacher on whether morality was subjective or objective. Ooh, he, he was an objective morality guy, wasn't he? Yeah, and I didn't like it. And yep. uh, so then I, I skipped a lot of the classes to have lunch with a friend instead because it was the same time. <laughs> uh, I may have failed a couple of the exams in that class because I, I tried to do the reading, but I didn't know there was a second reading. So mm. I just, there was a whole section of the test where I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> That's what happens when you skip classes. I pulled through with like a B or an A on the final exam, giving myself a C though. Because like, okay. I like philosophy. I overthink about stuff all the time. Yeah. But uh, I haven't always taken class seriously. My language classes, I'm fairly certain I got a 4.0 for language classes. Yeah. And if not, it was definitely above a 3.5. See, when I care, I care. And I did learn from the classes I took. Mm -hmm. I just didn't always care about the graded result. I care more about whether I learned stuff. Yeah. 
permanently, whether well, I still understand lessons, not whether... Yeah, and, and the lessons you cared about. I wanted at least a 3.5 originally, mm-hmm. and eventually I was like near the end, and I was like, you know what? I'm actually cool with a 3.2. I've already got an internship lined up. Yeah. I'm not going to be relying on this. I'm going to keep doing more impressive stuff, not and less impressive. you did impressive. stuff outside of class that was really impressive. Like yeah. Like getting an internship at a company who was like, we don't hire interns because we they don't do a good job. Yeah, it's like my goal was to say... Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a couple cool things. We're not even going to care about this GPA in four seconds. You know, because mm-hmm. when you're like 40, people probably aren't looking at your GPA on your resume. They're probably yeah. looking at your recent job. So I wanted to make my GPA obsolete immediately mm-hmm. by doing better things. And th- so this is the funny thing. Like, we don't evaluate Mark Zuckerberg on how he did in English. And, I have no you know, idea how he did. Class. No one cares. It, we evaluate him. How, how well does Facebook work? You know, we don't evaluate Gary Vaynerchuk on how well he did in uh, history of the Mongol Empire class. We evaluated him on, like, how, how well do you help a company with their social media campaigns? How well do you do with your own social media presence? Like, you have established what your expertise is, so we're going to evaluate on that. We're in this weird position where, like, the niche we're established in is academic success. So people, at least some people, feel like, we should be evaluated on how well we did in that. And I can see that from one dimension, but in another dimension, it's like, we should be evaluated on how well we do the work that we're doing, not on how well we did on an English test. Well, I never messed up a class. Then again, I guess I like my ability, my ability to study for an English test should reflect on, you know, the advice I'm giving on how to study for an English test. It's kind of a weird thing. Like, yeah, it's warranted, but not warranted. Yeah, well, I don't know. it's like I never messed up a class I took seriously. Yeah. So my GPA is partially a reflection of how little or much I cared about any given class mm-hmm. and uh, academic scoring in general. I took the learning very seriously. Yeah. Well, the other thing, you know, it's kind of weird with a name like College Info Geek, but one of the, the biggest things I want to communicate to anybody listening to our podcasts or reading our articles or watching the videos on the YouTube channel is that your academic performance is not the be all end all. You got to do other things. You got to do other things. You got to do external projects. You got to be doing internships. You got to be working to build your network, all these kind of things. And, you know, you could do horrible in school, but if you're doing really cool stuff over here, it's not going to matter. Yeah. In so many different areas. And when every time I've hired somebody, I never want to see a GPA. I never want to see what you graduated in. All I want to see is a portfolio. And then I want to give you something and say, can you do the work? Can you do something that is worthwhile to me? If you can, awesome. I, I like, I literally do not know what, uh, I think like three of our team members, I don't know what they graduated in. And that may be weird. We, we just hired a new writer. I know what he does. I know where else he works. I know where he lives. I know what his hobbies are. Um, we've chatted about like all those things. Never once did I think to ask, what was your GPA or what'd you graduate in? Never thought about it. No idea. Cause Ransom hired him, which it's been really cool to see Ransom go from reader who was a college student to commenter, to guest poster, to full-time author on the site, I guess full author on the site, uh, to editor, to now to the point where I'm like, I trust you to evaluate writers and hire them with no input from me. And then once like he's gotten, once the writer has like a post on the site that he's approved and said, this is going live. I'm like, okay, now I would love to talk to that person, but it's, it's awesome. Like I trust him to do those kinds of things. Yeah. So he'll go hire people. And I'm like, I have no idea what they graduated in. Yeah. And I, doesn't matter. You know, in the internet and like yeah, all this stuff is definitely changing it. So we're, mm-hmm. we're a reflection of this stuff would have been yes. way more important 20 years ago, but I don't know. Good, yeah, good grades are good. Mechanisms now. They're important. I didn't, I wanted at the very least a three. That was the lowest I was going to let my stuff get so that it still looked decent. Oh, yep. Same. I wouldn't have been able to live with myself with going lower than a three. It's, it's just that like, if you do make any mistakes, mm-hmm. people are going to judge you on what you did most recently. So make yes. that mistake obsolete information as soon as possible. I remember playing Guitar Hero 3 growing up and one of the loading screens says, uh, you're only as good as your last show, which sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that's kind of how I think. I'm just like, wow, how good was my last show? 
you know? Like, that's not to devalue all the work I've done before, but what have you done lately? Yeah, but they're not going to... Re- like, you've probably already gotten the rewards from previous successes. Yep. You won't continue to be rewarded for what you did a billion years ago. Not really. Except for, you know, tech- uh, royalties, situ- situ- whatever, well, so this whatever, is, devil's this advocate is something, me, but still. This is something that I have tried to shoot for in my entire career. Um, and this is another one of those, like meta aspects of work that you need to think about when you're going through your work experiences. I enjoy doing work that will stand alone and, and, uh, and endure. So I don't like, mm, I like, I like speaking. So that, that's an ephemeral thing, but I would much rather make a video that I know is going to be up for a really long time. And tons of people are going to be able to come and use it and learn from it far after I've even kind of forgotten that it's there. Yeah. I would much rather do that than like go mow a lawn because like I will do it, I'll get paid for it. And then nothing else will come of it. Like the grass is going to grow again and then I'm going to have to mow it again or someone else is going to have to mow it again. I don't like having to maintain things and I don't like doing work that isn't going to stand the test of time. I like, I like putting machinery in place that will continue to either exist and benefit people for, for far, you know, longer after I'm done giving it attention or I guess and or will continue to benefit me over time. So videos on YouTube continue to pay me. Maybe sometimes it's like a dollar a month, but still it's like, hey, some ad revenue came in from that. That's nice. Yeah. You know, I like to build something that will continue to generate revenue. And I think that's like a good trait of an entrepreneur as well. Well, it's, it's really scalable. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're mowing a lawn, there's not really a lot of scalability in there. No. I can try to push it faster. There's no, there are no multipliers to your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like creating force multipliers, and I like creating things that create a steady drip of rewards and that continue to benefit people. Anywho, uh, that's a big old long answer, I guess, yeah. to, to put a bow on it. Our grades were as good as they needed to be. Yeah. You know? I don't think they were bad. Nope. My high school grades were terrible, but nobody cares about that. So yeah. grades were good. And, you know, I don't think high school matters. Because no. well, what, I don't it matters to get school, into like college. Yeah, I don't want to say high school doesn't matter, but from your vantage point now, high school mat- didn't matter because you came to college and you got serious. Well, that's why I went to community college first and why exactly. I nearly got a 4.0. And I, that's something that happens. I made high school obsolete information as soon as possible. Some, yeah, some kids, they don't do well in high school. And I think the reason is they don't, they don't feel that it's important. Maybe it's because... They live under the roof of their parents. They're, everything is provided for them. They're like, why do I need to do this? Um, some kids graduate and they keep that mindset and they need more guidance. Maybe they go to the military. Maybe they get a job and they have to like live in the working world for a while. But some kids, and I think you're probably one of them, graduate and you're just like, I have to get serious now. And there's like this this light yeah. switch that is flipped in the brain. It's like, I am the master of my own destiny. Yeah, I just kind of realized. I got to start taking uh-oh. it seriously. Uh-oh, we're close to college time now. Mm-hmm. And luckily, like, that's a point in your life where all the mistakes you made hadn't had a chance to really screw things up. Yeah. You know? I, I guess, I don't know. Grades are good. Make your mistakes obsolete. and But grades aren't everything because in the words of Kanye West, some people graduate but be still stupid. Yes. <laughs> that's that's the takeaway right there. There you go. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Schrodinger's, what is it? Would you say what is Schrodinger's smart, smart guy? <laughs> like I'm both smart and stupid at any given time. There you you go. don't know which. Yeah, which one Open the be? box. All right, question number three. I'm struggling with figuring out how to work when I am tired. I had a long day Friday that ran from 4 a.m. to 12 a.m. I did not have class that day, but I had several places I needed to visit. I couldn't sleep in on Saturday, and once I was up, I could not get myself to take a nap because I was overwhelmed from having so many tasks to complete. It was an unproductive and sluggish day. I couldn't focus on anything. After a night of good sleep, I was able to finish some of my tasks. So do you have any suggestions on how to work when you are exhausted? Um, maybe go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I definitely... Um... But I mean, how? So yeah, what when if you, you can, have to when work you can, and you're exhausted. If you have to stay up there, well, obviously a lot of people rely on caffeine. I, w- I would say if you're going to use caffeine, though, at the same time, eat some good like whole grains, protein, slow slow carbs kind of stuff. That mm. way, when the caffeine wears off, you got that good healthy energy. Mm, yeah, keeping you keeping you from crashing. Yeah, though I mean, you got to hydration. Also know the adenosine is going to. Yeah, at some point you're going to stop. At some point you're going to stop. So at the 
the answer I was thinking of when I picked this question was I do this all the time, or at least I did. Uh, if I find myself super exhausted needing to do something, I will 100% of the time perform better if I go to bed at 9, wake up at 2, and do the work super early in the morning after having slept some, mm. rather than staying up till 2 and waking up when I wanted to. Yeah. Because I keep getting worse and worse at the work. Yep. So I'm just like wasting hours. And then I wake up real early, and I do it in like a half hour. And I'm like, wow, it's a good thing I'm awake right now, or I would have wasted all my sleep hours. This is actually how I got through high school. I, cause I worked my last two years of high school, I worked and I would work till 9 PM every night. I never stayed up late and did homework. I always would go to bed at a decent time and then I wake up at like 5 AM, go to school and I finish my homework in the cafeteria like before class. And I mean, that worked. Obviously that, I mean, that can lead to some sticky situations where like, oh, I'm stuck on a problem and now it's, Oh yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't gamble class. on that. It can be a gamble, but that's what I did. And yeah, in those rare situations where I have, you know, for some reason not budgeted my time correctly, or external circumstances have made it so that I have to work exhausted, I'm like you. I would rather go to bed, get up stupidly early, and just get it done after some sleep. Yeah. And so this person was saying they couldn't even take a nap, though. So like, if you can't take a nap, take a nap. If that's the best you can yeah. do. If you can't take even a nap, even 15 minute, like just restful period. Yeah. So they, they were like so anxious because of the tasks. Mm-hmm. So I would say the first thing they need to do is take a mental break because they're yeah. they're mentally exhausted. And then once you've taken the mental break, if you're still too physically exhausted, maybe now you're calmed down enough to take a nap. But you need to like mm-hmm. go for a walk, try try to meditate, maybe even read or play cautiously a non-addicting video game yeah. like uh, you know Puyo Puyo Tetris or Picross or something you can just turn yeah. off in five minutes. Not Skyrim because you're going to be like, let me finish the next thing for the next four hours. Yeah. Uh, but you got to – if you're that anxious about the tasks, you need to admit, yeah, I'm not getting any work done this anxious anyway. Let me take a mental break mm-hmm. and then if necessary, maybe take a literal nap for like 20 minutes Yeah. and start over. You got to accept that you're not doing any work when you're that exhausted mentally or physically. It's – it's yeah. going to be bad work. Well, I remember reading an article recently saying that like people need sort of a process of mental de-escalation in order to fall asleep well. Uh, translation, you need a wind-down routine at night. Yeah. Well, maybe you need a slight wind-down routine before you take a nap. If you're all anxious, yeah, go for a walk. Play a couple minutes of a video game. Then take even a short nap. Actually, you know what I did recently? Um, you, you know how our office has a focus room? Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome feature. I went in there. Uh, I laid on the floor because they have a pillow. And I just put on my headphones and did the Brain FM meditation track for oh, yeah? 15 minutes. I didn't fall asleep, but it was just like a very restful, relaxed state where I couldn't hear anything. And it was just like, it was cool. And then I got up and I got to work. Yeah. It's, it's going to work better than trying to freak yourself out through it or mm-hmm. exercise because you'll wear yourself out too. It'll be easier to take the nap. It's true. Yeah. The other thing that I would mention is if you're exhausted, you need to do whatever you can to avoid the call of the pillow if you don't have time to take a nap. And the way that I always did this was not studying in my room. So if I'm tired, I'm like, okay, I'm going to the library then, or I'm going to a coffee shop, or I'm going to find somebody that I can go do work with like somebody to help keep me up. Yeah. If you try to study in bed, you're probably going to end up lying to yourself. Yeah. (laughs) That just reminds me of when I was in honors English or no, not honors history uh, in high school. Every night I would try to do the reading in bed and then I would like fall asleep face first on the history book. And then that class was so boring. I would fall asleep in that class every day. Uh, And I think it was because it was right after lunch so I would always eat a gigantic lunch and then I would come mm. to history class and no matter what, I would fall asleep. I just could not do it. And I remember my teacher being like, Thomas, you're the only student who I've ever had get an A by sleeping through my entire class. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason is because like that was the one class where I forced myself to do the reading. And I, I don't know if falling asleep after doing the reading helped consolidate it or whatever. No, I haven't done well, any research on listening that. Listening to your teacher was part of your wind-down ritual. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. Uh, but I did reading at least, and I took notes on it. So I was able to sort of, I don't know, sleep my way through that class and still do well. But, yeah, hopefully that, that helps a little bit. Um, but in general, you know, try to not be exhausted. Prioritize your sleep. 
Yeah, it's um, it's really about like being honest with yourself about whether you're going to be able to work in this state. Guilt does yep. not make you a better worker. So if that's the only reason you think you shouldn't be taking a nap first, then you know, I I often useful. operate on guilt because I'll be like, well, I tell people that I get up at six a.m. and do a morning routine, so that's when I got to get up. But Anna and I are really bad at going to bed at a good time, and sometimes it's for what I think is a decent reason. Last night. We went to the ballet class at the climbing gym. Yeah. We didn't get home till 11. So I'm like, all right, I'm not getting up at 6. I I open up my iPhone's uh, clock app. I go to the bedtime thing, and I scroll it. I don't reduce the amount of sleep I'm going to get. I just scroll it so that I will wake up a little later. And, yes, I will acknowledge that I have the ability to do that. People with a more rigid schedule need to be more rigid at night. But I have been prioritizing my sleep a lot better. And I think things have been better in general because of that. It's very, I think that there is, there's a level of sleep deprivation where you don't know you're sleep deprived, but you operate at a non-optimal level. I and think you just, you're defining don't really understand everybody's normal state. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you're not like, you don't feel sluggish. You don't feel super tired, but you're not on fire. You're not like super alert and your brain can't perform at its peak and yeah i think you're right a lot of people I feel like we're all robbing ourselves of that all the time yeah we all drift we need we like need that. to care more about sleep you know it's funny as a species we right so now. i was reading this book about uh i was it's, it's called starbucked it's about the history of starbucks and of coffee culture and uh it reminded me of something that I learned about in Tom Standage's book. This It's like the history of the world in six glasses, which is a history of drinks. Uh, and I learned in that book that because there was, you know, very little like sources of potable water in the medieval European ages, people just drink beer all the time. Wake up, drink beer. Oh, so their constant state was being a, right. a little tipsy for all of their life. Yeah, and it, so the beer they made back then, number one, probably didn't taste that good. But number two, wasn't very high in alcohol because it wasn't made with, you know, our modern brewing techniques. You're not wow. getting like, that makes sense. you know, a 9% IPA back then. You're just getting probably some barley sludge that's like 3%. But still, if you're drinking that all day long because you can't trust the water, then you're kind of going through life in like, like I don't know, low power mode essentially. So we just found a new way yeah, to go through low power Yeah, we found a new way to mode. essentially drink beer all the time. We don't drink beer all the time. We just don't sleep enough. Yeah, we just do guilt and not sleeping. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you want to get out of that pseudo-European medieval drunken stupor, then make sure you're sleeping however long you need to sleep. Hmm. Um, experiment, you know. You set your alarm clock way well past when you think you need and then see if you wake up naturally like right before it and start to dial it back and find that window for yourself yeah all right question number four should i cut up all my credit cards this is a really short question not a whole lot of context this one didn't come from uh the kind of source where you would write out the question oh okay the, the depth like of the questions is like based on where i pulled them from because oh, you know okay. like reddit or instagram might be oh, more might be more thorough yeah okay uh, yeah, should I credit? Should I cut, cut them up all up right now cards? before I've even finished this sentence? Yep, cut them up. Debt is evil. Credit cards are evil. Don't do that though. And worship Dave Ramsey. Don't do it. Get like a um, picture of Dave Ramsey on your wall, framed, every single day. I would. I would not do that. No, don't do that. I mean, so we. Uh, I think you have a similar viewpoint to this that I have. I find that debt is a useful tool, and. When I read, and I haven't finished this, but when I read David Graeber's book, Debt, The First 5,000 Years, that really shifted my perspective on the concept of debt. I think that human society does not work without debt. And I'm not talking about debt in its narrow definition that we often think of it in, where it's about you know money and currency, and I owe the car, I don't know, I have a bank like $5,000 for my car or whatever it is. I'm talking about you have done something for me, therefore I owe you. I think that debt in that broad definition is the glue that allows societies to even function. Because without it, what do you have? You have barter. And uh, that book is really interesting because when you take economics classes, there's always this history lesson, quote unquote, that 
first there was barter and people would trade their cow for 16 chickens you know at the same time and and then they would go their merry way and then we had the invention of money and hence debt the anthropological record will show that that is not how things actually happened debt came first debt came before barter and before actual money because people lived in tightly knit uh, small societies like tribes and when you're living your entire life with somebody you know being like in the same valley that you're in you can easily go help them harvest and you know and everyone knows that you helped and they kind of owe you and then they're gonna do something for you like when you help your friends move exactly and then they never help you move because they did they, they disrespect society systems exactly yeah so debt is fine okay so th- this is my attempt to try to convince people who think debt is evil that debt as a concept is not evil in fact it is required no man is an island and, and debt is the, the the idea that we use to help each other out um and that's a very i think it's a good book to read if you're wanting to dig into this concept it's very eye-opening so let's move over to credit cards here you should not cut up your credit cards simply because you think debt is evil the only reason you would cut up your credit cards is if you cannot regulate your use of them yeah so if you're if you you know if you're treating credit cards like an addictive drug or like uh, you know like candy you know if you're like overweight or you don't want to eat candy and you have it like sitting out and you keep eating it yeah, you want to get rid of it. You want to cut off your access to the tool that you are using in a destructive way. I can use caffeine as a useful tool or I can use it destructively. Yeah. I can use a knife as a useful tool or I can use it destructively. And I can use a credit card as a useful tool or I can destroy my life with it. If you are destroying your life with it and you need to figure out a way to force yourself to regulate your use. And I think the first way to do that is to cut your use entirely, which is why... Dave Ramsey says, cut up your credit cards. He's talking to people who are in a ton of debt and who can't help but go on shopping binges. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about whether you can use it reasonably because you need a credit score and mm-hmm. you can't if, – if so if I cancel my oldest credit card right now because I think I'm irresponsible, I cancel it all, my credit score is going to drop so far. Yeah. The age of your credit history on average – It's going to drop will, by will years. Go, yeah. It's going to become younger and that will hurt your and score. Like, like, uh, like it or not, credit score is important here uh, in, in America. Because uh, I would like to maybe get a house someday. Sometimes you need a credit score to get an apartment. Mm-hmm. You need a credit score to get the car that I had to get when Ashley's broke down. I had to buy a car. I needed a loan. So I need a credit score. Mm-hmm. And I've been cultivating that with my credit cards. And if I was afraid that I would use them wrongly, what I would do is take whatever one I have and, you know, I'd set it to pay for Spotify or something. And then I'd just, like, lose it in a drawer somewhere. Yeah. And then I'd pay off the Spotify bill every month because now I'm building a credit score, but I don't physically have the card to like go buy a bunch of dumb stuff. Yeah. But it's really important to build a credit score because it takes a lot of time. So mm-hmm. if you just don't ever get a credit card because you're afraid of debt, you're still going to find yourself unable to get a house or anything. And you're going to have to get more debt when they say, well, we don't trust you. So your interest rate's way higher. Yeah. And now you're losing a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Simply because you didn't have a credit card. And that, it's a dumb system. You know, I don't mm-hmm. like it, but you need a credit score here. So here's another thing that a lot of people do not think of. If you cannot use your credit cards responsibly, ask for help. Like, so many people get into self-destructive patterns of behavior, and they get to a point where they can't even fathom. They, can, they don't even think of asking for help. They think... Well, either I'm going to keep spiraling down this path or I have to do something crazy. Or I got to cut up all my credit cards, whatever it is. No, go to somebody that you trust and say, hey, I can't control my spending. And yeah, you're going to have to swallow your pride and you're going to have to uh, be embarrassed. And everyone's embarrassed about money. I know, I get it. But it is better than spiraling into debt or never building a credit history because you decide credit is evil and it's not. Credit is not evil. You just used it wrong. Yeah. So ask your mom or your dad or somebody who is responsible with money, you know, ask them like, can you help me with this? Maybe hold on to my credit card for me or like we'll yeah. put it in a safe and you know the combination and I've just got it, like you said, set to pay Spotify. Like be my fan- financial coach. 
Yeah, because you want to you want to be mildly using it mm-hmm. to build the score, and it takes it takes so long. But you, basically, I treat my credit card like a debit card. Yes, I will not buy something on it that I could not have bought with my bank account. It's basically just a debit card with an extra step. It's a debit card where I get free rewards. I've yeah. gotten a few hundred dollars over the years from it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. How much interest have I paid? Not I a don't, dime. I don't pay interest because if you pay it off in full every month because you're treating it like a debit card, mm-hmm. then there is no interest. It doesn't hurt you until you use it to hurt yourself. And if you're yes. doing that, it's like an addiction potentially. If you're if you're addicted to shopping or something, then yeah, seek seek help. It's a serious thing. Mm-hmm. But credit cards are not evil. They are a necessary tool. They are they are the bowl of cookies in your kitchen. Well, maybe they are evil. Maybe they're a necessary evil. I don't think they're maybe a necessary that's evil. Enough. I think they're fine. Like credit cards, if you read into the history of credit cards. They just give me free stuff. They started, I mean, they are an evolution of credit systems at individual stores. And there is nothing evil about that. If you're like, if you're low on cash and you got to go to the general store and you're like, hey, I, I need uh, some wheat you know, to make food, the harvest is two weeks from yeah. now. I can pay you back. That is a great, you know, that's a great tool right there. Otherwise, yeah. you starve. Even interest isn't evil. You know, I don't mind. And there's nothing di- evil about interest. A single dime of interest, I don't mind out of the loans I'm paying. Yeah. Because they let me go to college without saving up first. In, I mean, interest I'll is literally it. just an incentive tool for somebody who has capital to give it out. It's just to me lose saying, it for thank, a while. thanks, government. Yeah. You have my back. I'll, I'll give you some bonus points. And, you know, I, I know it's like That's certain it. religions ban interest. Really? I didn't yes. know that. I believe that, and I could be wrong Does about this. Does that get you out of paying interest, or are you just not allowed to take loans now? No. Can, can I just not? No, you can take loans. So correct me if I'm wrong about this, listeners who, who would know, but I believe that Islam, pro, or uh, what's the word, prohibits collecting interest. So, and the reason I know this is because hmm. uh, the owners of Caribou Coffee at one point sold Caribou Coffee to, I think it was like an Islamic investment bank or something like that. I can't remember wh- all the details, but um, there was like a bunch of controversy about it at the time. But it's essentially like Caribou Coffee didn't have to follow Sharia law, but they did. Their owners were now like prevented from collecting interest. So like they had to start operating the business differently because of that, huh. I think. Uh, and there are a lot of details oh, I don't know. I've never heard of this. It was in, it was in the book. That's interesting. So, in the Starbucks book? Yeah. That's um, interesting. Certainly, there, you know, there are religions out there saying, like, you should never collect interest. And you could, you could easily imagine a system where, like, there's a system of credit that doesn't collect interest, that isn't exploitative or predatory. Well, that makes sense. But interest as a tool is probably going to create more credit opportunities, you know, like well, in an ideal world, yeah, we would never collect interest. We would just we wouldn't need lend to. A hand they live to down the street. Man. Exactly. We trust them already. But why did the government doesn't know me? So they, yeah. they want to have a little collateral. Again, I, I yeah, I don't see anything wrong with setting up a business to lend out capital to other people to go create value, and then that's how you create value. But again, people use the tool in a way that becomes evil, or that becomes destructive or predatory. Yeah. It is about where along the spectrum are you? So again, your credit card is like the jar of cookies or it's like the hunting knife you own. You can use it in a productive way or you can use it in a non-productive way. And if you are using it non-productively, first, ask for help or you know, figure out if you have the ability to self-regulate by setting up systems. And if you don't, ask for help. Yeah, and mean, if you can't even ask for help, then that's when you cut them up. Yeah, although put it on, put it on your Spotify first, then cut it up. You could do that. It'll still work digitally. Yeah, unless you're like me and you memorize Don't, don't memorize number. it. Well, obviously, I had the number memorized <laughs> from when I was irresponsibly buying magic cards. But I yeah. irresponsibly bought them <laughs> with money that was in my bank account already. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't irresponsible. It was irresponsible, but not, not in a debt way. Yeah. So it's still okay. Okay, so the last question here is, what would you say to a person who asked you if they could work for you for one month for free? And someone actually sent me this question on Instagram with a video. Um, So here's what I told them. I would say no, unless you could prove to me right away that you could offer value. Because I'm not running like a coffee farm 
or something where it's like, oh, hey, an extra pair of arms. Here's a basket. I would love for you Let to me go teach pick you within coffee like a, berries. Within a week, you know how to do this, right? More like five seconds. Well, I don't know how complicated right they are. You know, what if there's a, a not right one. Pick these ones, put them in the basket, bring them over here. Like, I'm not running that kind of a business. I'm running a business where if someone's going to work for me and actually provide value, then they have to have some rare skills, you know, like skilled labor. You have to be able to do something that we do. And what we do can't be taught easily. It takes a long time to learn. You know, like we write in-depth, well-written articles. We make podcast episodes that have a lot of production value. We make videos. These are not the kinds of things that I can take a kindergartner and have them just do. So, and I'm not, I'm not calling people who would ask me to work for free at kindergartners, but from my perspective, it's like, I don't know what your skills are. So if all you say is, hey, my name is blah, 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 and I will work for free. From my perspective, that is no different than a kindergartner coming up to me and asking to work for free. I don't know what you can do for me. So it's like, it's, I have to now take time and energy out of my workday that I could be devoting to my work that I know I have the skills to do to try to train you. And I have no clue how long that will take. Yeah. So, in th- so I, I want people to know this if they're gonna ask me to work for free, but I, on a greater level, I want people to know this if they're gonna ask anybody to work for free, because I think working for free can be a great competitive advantage. It can get you in the door with a lot of people who are not gonna give the time of day to people who want a paying job. But you have to be able to immediately communicate to that person, here is why, like I can actually provide value to you and I don't want you to pay me. I want, you know, I want to use this as an opportunity to build a relationship with you. But I here's like a portfolio. Or hey, I went out and I wrote a guest post and I linked to you. Like, and it's a great guest post. Here you go. Here's the proof. That's what you need to do. Yeah, I feel like this would work much better after you've done like the networking sort of thing. Yes. Like if they they know you already, suddenly they have a, a need for something and you're like, I'll do that for free for a month. What's up? You yeah. are, you know me already. It's not it's not literally a stranger asking for more or less an interview. That's true for yeah. an unpaid internship. If you didn't post an unpaid internship, maybe you don't have time to interview random people. And I doubt that. Yeah, like, like that, that takes time. To be honest, that I takes do time. not have time to interview people right now. I've got work that I need to do. Yeah, and I'm already working on like training my editor. So it's like if somebody comes up to me, unless they're like, "Hey, I'm." a legitimate SEO expert and I will get this article to the top of Google tomorrow or like within the next two weeks and like they go and do it and I'm like, oh, okay. So I don't really have to do a whole lot except now pay you to do that again. Yeah. Sweet. You've just provided a great service to me. Awesome. You know, but if they're like, hey, I, you know, I think I could do SEO work for you. I can't really prove it. I'm like, well, it's going to take a bunch of time out of my day just like to verify everything and verify it. You know, it's so working for free, you're not working for free. Maybe I don't give you money, but I'm giving you time and attention and I use those things to make money. Yeah. So that's a good way of viewing it. It is other resources still being spent. Now, did you get paid for, uh, when you did listen, money matters at first? I don't remember. Not at first. So, but you, you already, you already knew them though. Yes. Yes. So the networking, once the networking's done. Oh, if I had just reached out to them and I was like, hey, can I be the co-host? Andrew yeah, no, no. Like, why would you say yes? You? Why, why would you, you say yes to that? But I had known them for like six months and I had talked to them a bunch and I had been on the show as a guest, I think three or four times. Yeah. So at that point so, it was like, it was a no brainer. It could be very, very and useful if you know them already. I verified myself because I had the CIG podcast. So Andrew, in addition to me being a guest, he could see like, oh, Tom's already done like a hundred episodes of his own podcast. Okay, I know for yeah. a fact that I like him. I've talked to him. He's been a good guest on our show, and he knows how to host a podcast already. Easy. Yeah. So post, post networking, it can be a nice way to get something started. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't. I don't want to make it seem like you have to go network before you ask to work for free. Because you know what, there are people out there who you're never gonna get more than one shot to even talk to them. Right, like if you want to go work for P Diddy, and you get a chance to talk to him, oh, that's like that's fair. It's not like I hang out with him every not gonna, week to build up the relationship. Yeah, you're not gonna get Diddy's phone number, and then like six months down the line, be like, "Hey, can I work for you?" Like, no, like that's your one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. 
whatever. Uh, okay, hip hop references so all around. You got to have your SoundCloud, right? You got to have your music marketing portfolio missed, yeah. or, you know, built oh, up. And SoundCloud. then you, you, for some reason, meet him and you're like, hey, I'm a music promoter. Here's work that I've done. You know, I've like built up the scene in my town. It was nothing. And now we have like four shows a week. That's me. Maybe then he's like, okay, cool. I'll give you some work. And you got to like take that shot right away. But, you know, if you can network, do it. It's just that the, the most important thing is being able to communicate that I can, I can come in, I can fit into your business like a hand in a glove and I can start providing value right away. Yeah. You know, otherwise you got to go through an application process and you got to go through training. Yeah. The more successful the business is, the attention and time are more important than mm-hmm. the money that it would cost to figure out whether you were good at what you're doing. So yeah, exactly. And if it's a solo guy, it's like, you know, all my time goes to doing my work. Yeah. Do I have time for this? I don't know. So hopefully that was helpful uh, to all of you who are looking for, you know, ways to kind of get in the door by working for free. That's how you get it started. Uh, That is it for this episode, I think. So if you want to send questions to us, I am Tom Frankly on Instagram and Martin's Yo Martholomew. You can follow us over there. You can follow us on Twitter. We have the exact same usernames on Twitter as well. Uh, or you can check out the show notes for this episode, which you'll find over at cigpodcast.com slash 230, or by clicking the description link to, uh, below if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube and you want to get the new audio episodes delivered to your phone every single Monday morning at 8 a.m., I think Eastern, something around that time, then uh, you may want to subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts if you have an Android phone or the podcast app of your choice if you don't want to use either one of those uh but those are both free i think so they're pretty good other than that you can check out our resources page over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources to find all of our favorite apps gear tools books we recommend and our college packing guide if you happen to be going to school soon and you need to figure out what you should uh, buy to stock your dorm room or apartment and last but not least as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode you can pick up your own Never Stop Learning t-shirt over at collegeinfogeek.com slash merch. So uh, do that if you want to grab that, possibly become handsomer and uh, what was it, richer? I think I think richer. We, this one doesn't give superpowers. We'll work on that. I'll work on a superpowers t-shirt at some point. Unfortunately, this one is not that. Uh, anywho, thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.